Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Tuesday, January the 8th. And welcome to our commentary. Before we get to the issues, I just wanted to say that I just saw a one-hour town hall meeting. Uh, Governor DeSantis with voters in Iowa. It was on Fox News at 6, uh, I guess, 6 p.m. Central Time or 5 p.m. I thought it was excellent. I thought the governor did a great job. Now, whether that's going to have an impact on the race or not, it's hard to tell because as we've seen in, in previous caucuses, Iowa can always surprise you. I'm sure all of you remember Senator Ted Cruz in 2016 winning Iowa, Governor Mike Huckabee in 2008 winning Iowa, and at the time, uh, Reverend Pat Robertson won, won Iowa. In 1988, obviously, those three men did not become president or the nominee of their party. So Iowa can throw you a curveball. Uh, it does look from the polling data that President Trump is going to win or former President Trump is going to win. And that Governor DeSantis is going to come in second and uh, former Governor uh, Haley is going to come in third. That appears to be the consensus. Trump DeSantis and Haley. Probably that's the way it'll come down. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait because I, you know, I'm a little skeptical about polling caucuses. I mean, it's it's different than polling for a primary. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I thought Governor DeSantis had a great performance in that town hall meeting at uh, Fox News tonight. If you have a chance to watch it, I would recommend it because I thought he came across very well. He dealt with the issues well. He engaged uh, with the voters well, so I, I liked it. I thought he did a good job. Well, the big story, of course, is Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Uh, we learned today that the secretary is, uh, was found, was diagnosed with pancreas cancer, which is a very bad cancer. Uh, unfortunately, it can, be, it can be very bad. And we, ha we clearly have sympathies for the, for the secretary. And we say a prayer for him and for a recovery, but that's a tough, that's a tough diagnosis. So, but when it comes to the Secretary of Defense and the man, we have to separate the two because the problem here is not that he got sick. I mean, that could happen to anybody. The problem is that he was in the hospital. Uh, nobody knew in the White House where he was or what, what he was suffering from. As I understand, the number two, uh, the deputy, was on vacation. Apparently, they didn't know either. So now we have a situation where the president of the United States doesn't know that his secretary of defense is in the hospital in ICU. That is really a big problem, and that cannot be defended under any circumstances. Uh, you know, in my post, uh, the question I ask is, how is it possible for the president of the United States at a time like this, when we have military conflicts, you know, our troops, our bases are being attacked often. Our Navy is constantly battling with these uh, uh, ships in the Mediterranean and in, uh, and in different places. And, you know, there are almost like daily decisions being made about reacting or attacking this or attacking that or defending our troops. How is it possible? that in that kind of an environment, the President of the United States and the Secretary of Defense do not talk to each other 
for four, for five, even longer days. That is inconceivable to me. And that that is frightening because that tells you a lot of different things. We can speculate all we want. Uh, we can say that uh, the secretary lied about his condition, or we can say that uh, President Biden is so detached from the day-to-day -day operations that something like this could happen. So I am really concerned about all of this and what it actually means to the, the country, how people perceive this kind of a collapse in what is, in essence, our, our most important area, which is national security. You know, if there is an emergency uh, and you, you got the president, the secretary of defense, the national security advisor, the secretary of state, I would assume, and also the chief of staff, the chairman of the chief of staff, those are the people who are going to be on the phone recommending to the president what he should do. Well, if there had been an emergency, the secretary of defense would not have been in that conversation. The deputy was on vacation in Puerto Rico, not aware of what was happening to the secretary. And what does that tell you? It tells you that uh, we got some problems in the management of national security in this administration. Again, at a time when the world is a very unsafe place. So I, uh, they have to explain this. They can't just say, well, we support Secretary Austin. Yeah, we support him uh, with his illness and we offer him all our prayers and all our moral support. But when you're the Secretary of Defense, uh, you know, you, you don't really get a vacation. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And uh, maybe he needs to resign. If he cannot, uh, you know, do his, his job, maybe he needs to step aside and say, look, I need to resign because I can no longer do this. Uh, and if he does that, I would definitely would understand it. But what we just saw, uh, you know, with the secretary of defense and the president, the president not knowing what was going on with his secretary of defense, that is outrageous. That's all I can tell you, just totally, completely outrageous. Well, if you've been following the news, I have a post over at the American Thinker today, Tuesday morning, about William Penn. William Penn, of course, founded the state of Pennsylvania. If my history classes, if I remember from my history class, but he was certainly one of the key people in the, find, in the founding of the state of Pennsylvania. Well, they decided, uh, somebody in the Biden administration decided that they were going to remove his statue because they wanted to somehow remember our Native American history more or whatever. Look, you can do both. You can do both. You can remember William Penn, who was instrumental in the history of the state, and you can remember the Native Americans. You can do both. You don't have to eliminate William Penn. Well, this created such backlash that the Biden administration had to back off. The governor of Pennsylvania jumped into this too, and he was very upset about it. So they're not going to take down the statue of William Penn, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. You know, we have got to stop writing or trying to rewrite the history of the country by taking down statues. We've got to stop that. And I'm glad to see that the Democrat governor of Pennsylvania, Governor Shapiro, and watch out, by the way, for Governor Shapiro. I think he could be a future presidential candidate because he's, uh, he's not a crazy Democrat. He's more of a centrist Democrat. Watch out for him. I think he could be a political force, uh, not this year, but maybe in 2028, if, if, the, if uh, Trump is returned to the White House or whatever. 
But watch out for Governor Shapiro, Governor Shapiro of Pennsylvania. I think he's a he's a man with a future in politics, presidential politics. But he stepped in and he, you know, he said this is a bad idea. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. Congratulations to Governor Shapiro for shutting down these crazy ideas of replacing replacing our our statues and our history. Well, we're going to talk about this next topic in more detail in a couple of days when we chat with our friend Alan Wall, who is a big expert in U.S.-Mexico relations. But apparently, the government of Lopez Obrador in Mexico, this is in response to the delegation that went down to Mexico right before Christmas Day. What he's saying is, what President Lopez Obrador is saying is that he will work with the United States. But he wants the United States, number one, to put aside $20 billion for Latin American countries, particularly uh, some of these countries where these people are coming from, uh, end the embargo with Cuba, legalize 10 million people in the United States, and uh, some other things, too, that uh, I don't quite remember. But those three are the three big ones. Well, that's not going to happen. First of all, we don't have the votes right now to legalize 10 million people or reform or amnesty, whatever you want to call it. We don't have the votes to do that in in the Congress. So you can drop that. As far as sending $20 billion to Latin American countries, look at the battle we're having sending money to Ukraine. So it's not going to happen. And uh, as far as, uh, you know, uh, legalizing 10 million people here in the United States or whatever, that's not going to happen either. That's just not going to happen. Or ending the Cuba embargo, that's not going to happen. Because the Cuba embargo, the reason there's an embargo is because Cuba expropriated property of American citizens and never compensated them. And Cuba refuses to compensate these Americans who lost their properties uh, many, many years ago. So none of these things are going to happen. Lopez Obrador is simply saying these things for public consumption, but none of this is going to happen. Uh, So whether or not we get to work with Mexico or not, it's still an open question. But, you know, Trump was able to work with Mexico. He was able to get a stay in Mexico to be implemented. So maybe we need to we need to use the approach that uh, President Trump used because they got Lopez Obrador to act. And here Lopez Obrador is telling us how to fix uh, the border problem. That's uh, incredible. So we'll we'll talk more about that on Thursday night, because I think this is going to be a politically very difficult problem for President Biden. He cannot look as if he's being pushed around by the president of Mexico. And that is, in fact, how it looks to me right now. Well, we remember today on this uh, January the 8th, we remember President Nixon, who was born on this day in California, 1913. Uh, He passed away in 1994. Of course, he was the 37th president of the United States, elected in 1968, re-elected in 1972. Uh, He resigned in 1974 because of the Watergate scandal. But, you know, as time passes, he looks better and better. You cannot overlook Watergate. I'm not doing that. But when you look at his whole presidency, particularly his first term, he was a very effective president. He ended the war in Vietnam. He implemented many things that uh, that uh, were good for the country. And now, of course, uh, you know, you cannot take Watergate out of the conversation. But I thought he was a very effective, uh, effective president, uh, President Nixon. And as time passes, he seems to be rising a little bit more. 
as people look more at his record rather than uh, look at Watergate as the only chapter of his presidency. Of course, President Nixon also was vice president twice with Dwight Eisenhower, with President Eisenhower in 1952, 1956. He was part of that ticket. And then in 1960, he lost the election. The Senator John Kennedy in a very close and controversial election. So Rich, Richard Nixon was on the ticket, the presidential ticket, five times. And I think only Franklin Delano Roosevelt has ever has ever done that because he ran four times as president and one time as vice president. So Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon, I would really recommend that you read the memoirs of Richard Nixon. It's a two-volume book that I read about 25 years ago. Great book great history book, really. And he goes into a lot of the accomplishments and a lot of the good things that he did as president. So I would recommend that uh, you check out that book. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we will talk to you later. Have a great day, everybody.